you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Genesis chapter 1, I hope you can find that back there, verse 1 through 5. While you're turning there, I want to give honor to my pastor. I know he's under the weather, my wife as well. I hope you'll remember her in prayer, but I'm thankful that the church, even in sickness, that God's still able to move and that God's going to keep the church moving forward. Amen? Amen. Reads like this In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Somebody said, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called. Somebody say, God called. He called the day the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. I want to preach, and I'll promise I'll keep it short. Preach or teach, however you want to look at it. I hear a sound. I hear a sound. I know that there's transitioning that's happening, but I wonder if you would just maybe close your eyes with me and just ask that God would continue to have his way in what he's given me tonight. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for every opportunity to be in your presence. Lord, to stand before you, God, so humbly. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this church, God, every soul that's touched by it, Lord, every uh, extension of ministry that is brought through it, Lord. We pray you'd have your way tonight, God. Anoint me, Lord, as I bring your word, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. I hear a sound done some deep diving into what the world is doing today when I look at them trying to understand what they call science. 
And if you're not aware of it, they've even developed a place that they call CERN, C-E-R-N, and it's an underground laboratory in Europe, and it's about a two-mile sphere that they have made in the ground, a tunnel about two miles as round as they could make it. And they've made this tunnel to where they can uh, have a track, and, and on this track they take particles and and they release them at the same time at the speed of light, and they crash them into each other. And they believe that they're going to find where the Big Bang came from and where all of the world was created and, and all of this new fact that we might be able to discover. They've so far spent about $5 billion over the last decade or two, and they have found a little over 50 particles. And five of those particles are part of what they call the Higgs boson, which are considered... Particles that can carry mass, which means nothing to us. Can somebody say amen? There it is. Glory to God. And so they have spent approximately $100 million per particle found. Great investment. And they're only getting started. And if you think that us as a United States hasn't invested ourselves, you're sadly mistaken. You have helped with our tax dollars invest into this CERN project in finding these 59 or so particles, five of which can carry mass. And it's all with the, the, the concept that if they can find enough of these particles that carry mass, they can explain how everything crunched together and blew up and all of this mass expanded all over the universe. And, and now we have everything that we have. And so they've done these theories and all these things. And, and there's also something interesting they found out about science, and that's what when they decided to find the smallest particles and atoms and they break it down to its smallest elements and its most individual characteristics, they have found that everything is made up of a frequency. And it's in frequencies that the whole world and all of our universe is put together. It's sound waves, literal sound waves that hold us together. So when I label this tonight, I'm not going to be full of a bunch of secrets and hidden messages, but when I say I hear a sound, the Bible says that God said, let there be light. It was at his voice that everything was made. It's in him that we have and we move and we have our being and, and that all things are, it's at his voice. It's imperative that the voice of God never stops. And so with his voice and with sound in general, they say that waves never truly quit forming and, and whatever you have to say that it will never stop carrying, even in the four walls, it might diminish and get below a place where we can hear it, but truly sound particles never stop moving. And so what we say and how we say it is just as important as when God says it. Amen? And so they could easily quit spending money and turn to page one in the Bible and understand that God said, let there be light. Sound is the most basic element we have on this earth, and it all started in his voice. What you just experienced about five minutes ago was a young man that is desperate to have the voice of God not only on him but in him. It's amazing that God took sound, something so elementary and decided that's what I'm going to use when I want to show people that I live in them. The Bible says that there was a, a mighty sound that, that came as of a, a rushing mighty wind and it, it filled all the house and it sat upon each of them, cloven tongues like as a fire and, and it, it, it went about them and it filled them and, and it was in the upper room and it, it even came out of the upper room. It was something so amazing that had never happened. 
And sometimes we look at that and we think, yeah, that's no big deal. But when we do hear of things like cancer, all of a sudden it becomes impossible with God. I'm going to take us somewhere tonight. I want to take us a little bit deeper with it, but I want us to understand how important it is about our sound. If I don't get anywhere else tonight in in piercing your thoughts, I hope that this resonates true. It matters what you say. If it matters to God that you speak in a heavenly language or an unknown tongue, it matters just as much as when you're in your native tongue, what comes out of your mouth. It matters what we say in everything that we're doing. I want to get to some scripture. Uh, uh, In the Bible, the Bible talks about Elijah at a certain point in 1 Kings chapter 17. I want to draw our attention to that portion of scripture for just a little bit because during the reign of King Ahab, the Lord led Elijah to pray and to cause drought. And I looked it up and the drought lasted about three and a half years. And so in 1 Kings 17 and 1, it reads like this. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be due nor rain these days except at my word. Three and a half years went by, no rain. It took drought to bring forth these prophets of Baal out of God's children. This was not some foreign land. This was the children of Israel. And, and, and if you ever read in your Bible about the church history, or not church history, but the, the, the history of the nation of Israel, they had split into ten uh, kingdoms and two kingdoms, into two different uh, uh, sets, or ten families and two families. And so as they split up, there was a uh, uh, kingdom of Israel, and and this king eventually had, had come to his reign, this King Ahab. And, and during this time, God never wanted kings. He wanted his people to be different, but he allowed them to choose this route. And you can see the division that happened when we step out of the will of God a little bit. And, and all this stuff happened. And so luckily, he had sent these prophets. These prophets were to give word and warning and heed and, and, and to give revelation or to allow promises to come forth. And, and Ahab had it so messed up that he allowed these worshipers of Baal to come in and these prophets of Baal to come in and be a part of Israel and to lead them and to uh, direct them. And so that's where this story picks up. And so drought had begun to happen for three and a half years. And finally, uh, Elijah went up to him and said, okay, I want you guys to go ahead and try your best to pray. Try your best. And so Elijah, he was full of jokes as they began to pray and and, and call out to your God to end this drought. And so he had set up this challenge. If you would put your sacrifice and your offering up, and you can pray to your God. And, and if your God, if you can call down fire and he consumes that offering, we'll all just stop right there and worship your God. But if not, I have my turn. Three and a half years of drought. No dew. Things are dried up. Nothing was left. There was just just extreme poverty and, and, and hunger and famine and everything that you could imagine all over. And so Elijah, after three and a half years, still had some jokes in him. And he began to, uh, if you read through Scripture in, in 1 Kings 18, 27 through 29, it says that he cried aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating or he's busy or he's away on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping. He must be awakened. So they cried aloud and they cut themselves as was their custom with knives and with lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. One version even quoted Elijah as saying, your God must have went to use the restroom. 
pretty funny when you're trying to call down rain. <laughs> so this was Elijah. It's the same one that when people made fun of him because he was bald and old that he just called out two she-bears and attacked and killed and ate and mauled 40 children. It was really a wild story about Elijah. So he had some jokes as well. And, and so then Elijah said, now it's my turn. The Bible says that Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. You see, they'd already split the kingdoms, but he said, no, there's still 12. He grabbed those stones and, and he said, okay, to whom the word of the Lord has come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed, or about 14 quarts. And he put the wood in order. He cut the bowl in pieces, and he laid it on the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. I'm going to try to slow down the best I can. I've got a long way to go, so just bear with me. What do you think they didn't have during drought that was most precious to them? And here is Elijah saying, Grab four water pots. Fill them full of water. Could you imagine the journey they probably might have had to make? or down at the very depths of the Nile or whatever was close, and to fill them full, to bring them back to sacrifice and to just burn up. And so he had them poured on it, and then Elijah didn't stop there. He said, okay, do it again. And so they went and grabbed another four pots and went and poured it upon the sacrifice, the bowl that was chopped up. And he said, okay, great, do it a third time. You can't imagine how long that must have taken. The people that are thinking, we could have drank that, that's a good journey. That's everything we needed. So now he has 12 stones a nice pit, and 12 pots of water all poured on this sacrifice. And with all of that drenched, he, he began to pray, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. The Bible says, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The people fell down and proclaimed that he is the Lord God, and then they executed all the prophets of Baal. Then, then, verse 41, the Bible says that the prophet Elijah spoke to Ahab, and it was during the worst part of drought, three and a half years. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. I'm going to preach just for a few more moments. The sound, I hear a sound. Sound precedes miracles. I know some of you came tonight hoping on hopes, praying on prayers, feeling like you might be at the end of your rope. If God doesn't do something, there's nothing left. And I'm here to tell you, God spoke to me. I didn't have weeks upon weeks. I felt him speak to me just a couple weeks ago. And, and my pastor opening an opportunity tonight, it might be you. Your life hasn't produced much. It feels like it's the end. The diagnosis says it's over. The job says your future's over. Your bank says you're not going to make it. It might be a plethora of situations, but God still has the last word. God is still the one that's faithful. He's still the one that's just. He's still the one that can take care of all of it. 
problem is so often we get miracle-minded so much we forget about the sound that is necessary in our lives. Where does sound start? We're created to make a joyful noise. Isaiah 43 and 21 says, This people I have formed myself, they shall declare my praise. We have one goal in life, and that is to praise and to worship. Somebody say amen. This is why worship is important. This is what we're made for. This is part of our walk with God. This is who we are. I want to dive into worship for just a moment before I try to string this all together and to bring it home. The Bible says that God was going to test Abraham. I preached on some of this before, and Pastor got up after me, and he brought something to my mind I'd never heard of before. They call it the principle of first mention. The first time the Bible ever talks of that seven-letter word of worship, it talks about Abraham and Isaac. If you don't know the story, it was a father and a, a, a husband and a wife for years in their 90s and, and touching 100 that had not had a child of their own. And, and, and they went out of a, the will of God because he promised one, but they still hadn't seen it to where they had Ishmael with the handmaiden and all these sorts of messes they created on themselves. And so finally, they waited on God's miracle and, and, and what he had promised in his, world, or in his word. And, and as Isaac came forward, now you have this lad, the Bible calls him. Some say some, uh, somewhere around 9 to 12 years old. A lad, just a small boy. You're promised the only option you feel you have left. And God speaks to Abraham and says, okay, now go sacrifice him. And so he takes him. He takes him to the bottom of the mountain, the Bible talks about. And, and he, 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 I could just imagine a boy standing there, and, and they had some servants with him because he begins to talk to them at a certain point because God had instructed him, you and the boy, go alone. Show me how much you trust me. And so then he looks at all the servants, all the men he brought with him, and he goes, stay here while the lad and I go to worship. So they went. The Bible says they went up to the mountain, and, and at a certain point, Isaac begins to ask the dad, where is the sacrifice? Could imagine building the stones, acting like you don't hear your son, acting like we're not going to get there yet. And so he responds, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And so they begin to build it, and, and, and I couldn't imagine, again, how, how do you convince your boy, hey, 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 just hold on for a second. I'm getting a little antsy. i got to tie you up. Sorry, sometimes I'm a little dumb in my thinking, but you imagine convincing your 12-year-old son, he knows he's, a, he's the only child, he's the apple of your eye, he's the pride and joy, and we're talking about sacrifice. This is the first time we've ever heard the word worship. What do you mean, worship? And to tie him up and to lay him on the altar, to, to reach in and pull out a knife and be ready to, to just end it all to show how much you love God. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord stayed him and said, don't do it. I know that you'll give everything. Worship looks a lot different than we sometimes say that it is. Hello? I want to get that through our minds tonight. It's just important that we go and worship. Might not look like everybody else's worship. Might not look all the same. It, it might be, listen, I've heard it preached before, and I know it's further down in the notes, but I want to say it now. If, if, all, if Some of you might say, well, I don't, I don't run those aisles. Maybe I can't. I'm not much for dancing. I don't have that dance vibe to me. Okay, well, what do you do? I'm not getting on to you, but go ahead and just say what you do do. 
And if it's to clap your hands, then I want to encourage you. Be the one that claps the best. Do it all unto the Lord. If it's a person that says, all I can do is shout. I'm not much for waving my arms, and I'm not much for, for getting a little jig about me and all that. Then fine, shout and do it the best unto the Lord. If it is to raise hands, then do it as unto the Lord. Worship might be different for you than everybody else, and that's okay, but you have to produce a sound. It's what precedes miracles. Before the earth ever had light and darkness, the Bible said God spoke, sound produced the miracle. It's imperative that we begin to speak into our future what we think God is going to do. Amen? I want God to heal us. I want God to bless my family. I want God to bless my children. I want them, Lord, I don't ever want them to leave you. I want them to stay grounded in you. Fine, then you need to start speaking it now. It can't be something we wait until they're 18 and say, why'd you leave the church? What happened to you? And then we start cursing the very thing that we never really blessed. I've got to bless him now. Some of you might be at the end of that rope and say, well, I've waited too long. Now what do I do? It's not too late. It's not too late. It's time to start blessing him. It's time to start blessing your situation. I'm not talking about name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, all that other junk. I'm not even talking about that you're just going to be rich and all that other stuff. But I do believe God will honor his word. And the Bible says that he will never leave the righteous forsaken. He'll never leave his seed begging bread. So you become one of his, and then you start speaking those things that you need in life. And if you don't need something from God, you better start praying for your future. You better start praying that God touches your future. My God. I'm going to ruin the whole thing. Are you ready? It was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. My son was back in a room praying, seeking the Holy Ghost. What you saw tonight is because one God at the next one said, Dad, I want to get the Holy Ghost, Dad. I want it more than anything. I'm ready for it. Two weeks ago, that happened. I went home rejoicing. We went to dinner. They're having a Holy Ghost party for him right now. Next is Simon. I hope you hear me say it. Next is Sienna. Next is your children. Next is yours. I went home and I got online because sometimes I'll unwind on Facebook. And I'm not saying it's right. It's just something that we do from time to time. And, and I began to look and it said, you have a memory. So I opened my phone, began to pull it up. I took a picture of it. It stopped me in my tracks. God, forgive me. I don't want to get it wrong. And it said on July 6, 2014, I expect something great to happen in church tonight. My son wasn't even thought of. He wasn't even something we planned. It might have taken nine years. I can't remember what happened nine years ago, but that's what spoke through the existence of all of space and time. It held itself in the air. Something great is going to happen tonight. You need to hear me. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you need to start speaking it. Well, it never happened. Fine. Speak it. Something great's going to happen. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Miracle signs and wonders are going to happen in my life. My family's going to come back together. Begin to speak what God's going to do in your life. The Bible talks about it in John. If I might draw your attention to the New Testament, I'm almost done. John chapter 4, 
he begins to talk to this woman at the well. The Bible talks about this Samaritan woman, and he uses the whole first part of the verse talking with her and, and getting situated because the disciples were saying, hey, we're hungry, we need some bread, all the while while Jesus is saying, that's great, but I'm thirsty. It matters that I'm on the same page as my creator. It matters that I'm after the things he's after. If he says I'm thirsty, I better stop worrying about the bread and be thirsty with him. And so here we are, Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman and all these holier-than-thou disciples off in la-la land down at the city trying to find bread, and Jesus is having a moment with a lady he should never have been talking to. Begins to ask her about this, that, and the other, and and, and they get to a point where they're talking about, uh, uh, I need some something to drink, and I need some water, and and, and she began to ask, why should I ever serve you? I, I have no business even talking to you. And he said, if you just give me some water. And, 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 and in John 7, 39, he begins to talk about it in a different way. It wasn't really water. He said it like this. On the last day of the great feast, the day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, and, and, and that's because I messed up. Let me go to John 4. It says, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. The woman began to tell him, and when he speaks, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I know, and I know speak, I who, I, I who speak to you am he. And it says, but the hour is come, and now is, that when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, that we must search after him. God is spirit. And for all those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You see, the conversation of water quickly turned into worship. She began to ask about all forms of worship. Well, aren't you, don't you worship in the hills and we worship here? And he said, that hour is about to be done where if you're going to worship me, you just do it in spirit and in truth. See, some of us have come to God. We, we're just trying to be at the well. We're just trying to be a part of things. And I feel like Jesus is... Is, is just showing up on the scene saying, it's okay, what are you after? What are you coming to me for? What, why are you here? What's, what's our interconnection? What's our path? What's our purpose at crosses? And I believe that woman was just there at the well. Everything just happened to be perfect. But God knew a deeper relationship needed to be banded. And he began to talk about it and said, you've, you've had so many husbands. A man, your wit's not even your husband. And began to tell her her life. And, and, and at first she begins to downgrade. We shouldn't even be talking. She speaks badly of herself. That's what I hope to get to us tonight. It's not about what you necessarily think of you, but it's who you should be in Christ. He begins to say, you need to thirst after me. Think after me, and, 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 and it, it began to be about worshiping God, every part of it. Tonight, I'm not saying worship is the way I say it is, but worship truly should be something more than what we should ever uh, just imagine church to be. Every night should be a night of worship. Every day should be a day of worship. As my music comes, I've said it before, I'll say it again, some of you might not need a miracle right now. I watch, I pay attention. There's times in service when the question will go out, who needs something from God? Who needs a touch from God? Some of you have raised your hand so many times you don't even want to raise it anymore. Some of you have been so used to the condition we don't even want to ask anymore. I've asked enough. 
or maybe we've, we've preached on it, we just trust God, that's great. But I still want to remind God that I trust him to heal me. There needs to be part of me that still says I, I want so much from him that he's going to do what he asked and what, what he's going to do what I've asked him to do because he wants what's best for me. That means I, what I ask has to make sense. I don't know what nine years ago meant. I went back and I tried to research it a little bit. Began to think to myself, what was nine years ago? I, we were at this church. We had, uh, I don't even know if we had been youth pastors yet. If I did the math right, I think we had been youth pastors about six months. Can I tell you that story for a second? I want you to know how that all happened. In case we don't get it sometimes. Because worship has a lot of forms. That's what my goal was tonight. I want us to get to that where it doesn't mean you stand there and do nothing and we're just going to call it worship. There's a lot of things I do unto God to show him that I love him. There's a lot of things I do unto him so that he can bless my children. He'll bless them anyway because it's not about me, but I'm thankful and I give him praise and glory and honor for doing what he said he would do. I never thought my six-year-old boy should have got the Holy Ghost. My humanity says, you're young. There's no way you can understand, right? I don't know if you saw it tonight, but he's the one that wanted to stand close enough. We call him cousin brothers. Because he's almost more of a brother to Simon than he is to Mo. He just loves him to death, looks up to him, and he wants God to fill him with the Holy Ghost just like he did him two weeks ago. So we had been coming to church here for about a year. We had left what had felt like some very hard situations. Can't go into all of it, don't want to. Doesn't matter, doesn't benefit anybody, but I felt God draw us out of where we were to be here. We came according to what we felt God lead us to do. For a year, we didn't want nothing. We just needed time. We just needed to heal. We were thankful. Oh, man, this church church doesn't even understand how much it felt like home just to be sitting in a pew, a crowded pew, a broken pew, a broken church, not the people, just the building. So to see this is just amazing, but this was spoken about for 10 years too. This isn't it either. The next phase is spoken about. What God's going to do to our youth is spoken about. So we finally went to dinner with Pastor and Sister Jordan. We weren't even trying to go to dinner. We were just trying to talk with them. Said we wanted to talk with you. And, and they look at us, and Pastor smiles the way that he does. He goes, let's, let's do some dinner. What do you say? I said, it's an honor, absolutely. And we, we ended up at Cracker Barrel. I could probably take you back to that seat. That's before they served booze. Bless the Lord. Amen. And we sat there, and with tears in our eyes, we began to say after a year of sitting, said, you know what? It's not that I have something in mind to do. Y'all think I chose the youth. I didn't. When we were done with where we were and we came here, we had told each other we're never going to try that avenue again. It had a lot of pain. It had a lot of burnout. It had a lot of things that we weren't ready for. And so we looked at them and we just simply said, whatever you might need. to be there, Brady? How'd you ever make it to family pastor? 
How'd you ever get to have a pulpit? I don't know. I trust God's blessing and anointing. But I know where it started. Whatever you need us to do, I'm going to worship you. Sister Nancy, if I can help clean the church, I know you don't even like me. You just want me to stay out of the way. That's not true. I'll help you. But I've talked to her before. She goes, nope, I got it. I've got my routine. But whatever I can do, I want to do it all as unto the Lord. doesn't matter what you find to do for the kingdom, but you do it as unto the Lord. You want to take drought out of your life? Don't ever allow those prophets of Baal to enter. Don't ever allow that false worship, false idolism to ever enter your life. You stay hungry for the things of God. Well, it's drought. Everything's gone. Even the dew's gone. Water's precious. That's okay. There's coming a day where that word's going to be spoken again. There might be a day if I can stay positive, if I can just keep blessing my future, that God's going to do everything he said he's going to do. Stop telling yourself, well, he's already done too much for me. He's just getting started. Well, he's already done this once. He's done the impossible. He's he's canceled my debts. He's, He's already healed beyond anything I could ever imagine. That's great. Let him do it again. I've already had these these things taken care of, and now they're back again. They won't stay away. That's fine. Don't let it be final. Let him do it again. I turn back to Job so many times in my study and in everything I do, and I see where Job was the one person that stayed positive through most of the whole book of Job. He finally got a little distraught, and he begins to ask God, where are you? I think it's 70 or 77 questions he began to ask until finally God shows up. When he straightens everything out, the Bible says that he blesses him with twice as much, but there's some things he never blessed him with twice as much, and there's one thing in particular, and that's his children. I always thought it was wild. How come he got twice as many camels, even twice as many wives, twice as many uh, uh, lands and servants, and everything had twice as much, but the same seven children he started out with, he just got seven more. How come? See, sometimes we think that God has taken something and it's gone, but really, he's just promoted something. I know there's times where we want scripture to say, well, he's going to restore the the things that the, the canker worm and the pomegranate and the caterpillar have all taken. That's all great. But there's some things he's pulled out of your life where he might just give back what he's given. He ain't trying to double it. He never really gave up those seven children. God just took them to be with him. But it all started finally when Job went back to blessing God. It matters what I say. When it feels like we're in the middle of drought, it matters what I say. There's no reason other than great teachers and a move of God, but there's no reason why on a Wednesday night my boy should ever come out here and I've got people telling me to run off a platform, go run back there, go see what's going on. There's nothing should ever explain that other than hopefully what I said nine years ago was finally coming to pass. God is going to do something great tonight. Stand with me. There's a scripture I read out of turn. I'm sure you all caught it. I just want to read it. The Bible says on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood out and cried. 
There's only two times in Scripture where the Bible says that Jesus cried, and that means uh, it, it being interpreted twice in Scripture ever, where he absolutely cried out with a loud voice. If anyone thirsts, come unto me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He didn't say just a river. He didn't just say, well, you're going to have the Holy Ghost and that's it. He didn't say, well, that's, that's all. I'm going to give salvation. That's all I'm giving. No, no, no. He said rivers. So, so when you have need in your body, there's a river that's going to flow out of you that he's ready to, to quench that thirst and that need, but he's waiting for somebody to come and worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm not going to have another altar call, but I wonder what it would be like if all over this place you begin to close your eyes or, or if you feel like walking, whatever the case might be. But what if we just worshiped him? If you're one that cries out, cry out with everything you have. If you're one that just blesses your future, bless it with everything that you have. Lord, do great things tonight. God, if there's those that need cancer taken out, Lord, we trust you and we expect that you're going to heal. God, if there's lives that need restored, families that need put back together, Lord, I trust you. I'm expecting you to do great things tonight. That's it, church. I don't want to coach you. I'll pray along with you. But what if you found a place to worship God? If it's at an altar, if it's in your seat, if it's around the building, let's find a place to worship Him. Let sound precede the miracle.